And just like that, we are back. Yes, yes, we are. We're back. We're better than ever. We I'm also are, blind uh, because I should probably put my glasses on. Yeah, that would probably help out with this. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of reading in this episode, so um Okay. I'm the literate one between the two of us. Robert. And I am the Chick-fil-A autumnal spice milkshake that you get because you think you're being progressive by eating a Chick-fil-A. Dumb. I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> you should hate me because you know exactly what I was talking about when I said that. If we have any listeners who actually can do a compilation video of us just saying we hate each other. Please do it. Please do. <laughs> Please this do. Our, this is our moment. This is this is our dynamic and our friendship. And speaking of which, before I forget, I did go to Chick-fil-A today for lunch. Don't judge me. But You're canceled. I, cancel me mom oh no i went no no i went and i'm testing my microphone right now but i went because it's working i know it works so way too well but i went and i ended up getting the the what the hell the the peach shake that they have apparently it's a thing okay i mean i don't eat at a organization that condones you know homophobia amongst other things so i i'm a popeyes gal personally for all of you who'd like to know what kind of chicken i prefer popeyes i did it because i was literally trapped in the line okay um so we're getting into it yeah yeah duh let's go okay so season two this is our summary and uh (laughs) sorry i was reading a tweet somebody just sent me um so we're going to be talking about all the key points that we have discussed over the past 16 episodes for the main series um so do you want to get into the summary of each episode do you want to like do one by one like take turns y style or what let's take turns let's take turns okay do you want to start or you want me to i'll start okay go ahead uh so we start off with season with we start with episode one. Sorry, I hit my mic on accident there. But we start with episode one of season two, and we get Christian adjusting to being a father by getting a nanny. That's drugging baby Wilbur? I forgot about this. Was this a thing? Yes, that was the first main episode's plot line. Why do I not remember this? Why do I feel like this is a fever dream? Because <laughs> this season's so long and it's so all over the place, but go on. We also get Julia's mother, Erica, coming to town and requesting a facelift. And let's be honest, she was an icon. She is a legend and she is a moment. Mm-hmm. She also fully sticks Christian's hand up her skirt. Yeah, that does happen. Go on. There's still more. <laughs> One sec. Ma'am, I'm going to have to edit around this. Then edit around as you need. Ugh, you're a pain in my ass. <laughs> I am a pain in the ass, but things are happening on my end, so give me two seconds. But yeah, we get Julia's mother, Erica, coming to town. He fully sticks a hand up her skirt, Christian does, which, you know, that was a thing. That was a moment. That was an iconic moment. And apparently Sean develops a tick that is never talked about again. But it's from stress, and it's also putting pressure on him as a doctor to perform, so... 
we have to be careful with that one. But I'm really annoyed with the fact that that is it going to be revisited? Can you at least spoil that for me? Um, from what I remember, no, that will never come up again. <laughs> it literally was a season two, like two episode plotline, and that was it. I, which is so reductive because it's a really it's actually a really good plot line to have a character especially a plastic surgeon to deal with something like that but you know whatever yeah i will say that um him dealing with pressure and self-identified like pressure that he's placing on himself will come up again but the tick thing does not it's so strange it's so weird yeah speaking of which Episode 2, Christian consults another doctor to fix his broken nose after his latest tryst with a girl who was sitting on his face. Um, And ultimately, he chooses Sean because he needs to restore his confidence and helps him with performing the surgery after he had previously slipped up on a other patient um, that caused him from his yip, quote-unquote, and or tick. Matt's cohort from the hit-and-run of Kara Fitzgerald is arrested for sexual assault and Matt decides it's uh it's full-time demon hours from here on out oh yeah I've, I've... Matt crosses a line that we're never gonna see him come back from basically and basically in episode two and it's very obvious from episode two onward that Matt is no longer part of the main cast in a way that we want him to be he's just there and he's chaotic well, he's going to get a small redemption arc in season three and then immediately like backpedals in season four. So I mean, look forward to that. That's what every girl wants, though, is a redemption arc. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get a very like small redemption arc related to Willem. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, episode three, which honestly was probably not one of my one of my favorites it's probably one of the more interesting episodes that they've had is we get mabika manya who is a somalian woman who's endured female circumcision she and they she comes to sean and christian looking for healing to to try and fix the problem that's been presented to her and this is when they decide to use her toe which is very interesting and i really feel like this episode feels dated because i don't know if that's the process that they use now yeah i don't know if that's a process that would have actually been you know realistically used anymore to begin this, with the um, episode feels very wishful thinking <laughs> yeah but we get um remember uh, we talked about the, clitor- the clitoral nail though we have to talk about that the clitoral nail <laughs> oh my god it just oh god jesus this is terrible okay continue <laughs> but this episode this episode's really good I-, I won't deny it we you know we get this whole moment with liz and and Mavika having you know talking about self-pleasure and that whole developing moment but then we also get the introduction of ava who coaches Julia very actively to get rid of her mother. And so begins the absolute chaos that is our life coach for evil storyline. I love her. Episode four, Mrs. Grubbin returns and demands more surgery, only for it to be to her detriment. Uh, Annie starts puberty and has toxic shock. And Christian fights for sole custody of Wilbur after Gina recruits Kimber as a cocaine-fueled character witness. And at that point, Christian decides to help her by fixing her cartilage in her nose and thus begins her illustrious porn career. That episode probably, to me, was probably the most, the beginning of that Ryan Murphy-esque energy that we kind of see where it's like throwing the kitchen sink at you. 
more than anything else. But that's okay. But yeah, but the montage of uh, Kimber doing that like cocaine bathroom field scene to (laughs) I think Cosmopolitans and something else was like the best thing that I've ever seen in my life. I I fucking love that song. (laughs) It was very. If you wanted to ever like tack a song or an experience onto what it means to be L.A. white girl wasted. I feel like that's the closest you could get and it's still not really accurate. Absolutely. But um, yeah, episode five, after a car accident, Sean decides he wants to be a daredevil and this brings him closer to Matt of all people. James, the biological father of Wilbur, shows up at the end of last episode and petitions for full custody and it gives me probably one of the weirdest courtroom scenes that I've ever experienced in a television show. But Julia also reveals she spills the beans and is like, hey, Christian's actually Matt's father. Yeah, but that's just a Christian. That's not the big episode. Yeah, that's not the big one yet. We're just waiting on it. Okay. Which they do sit on that one for a while, so I will give them credit there. They do. They do. Um, Episode six, Ava is hired to motivate Matt. uh, And this becomes a game of sexual cat and mouse. Liz wants to be a mother and Christian... You know, after losing Wilbur, offers to be the donor, and then we have Bobby Broderick, a woman who wants liposuction and isn't happy with the results, or Sean, and we also get Allegra, who will be a returning character. So that's why I put her in the special guest stars episode. Oh um, God, list down there. So we get her. She's fascinating. We love her. She's going to have a really, really good episode towards the very end. I think it's the second to last episode of the series. And you know what? I have to say it. She's great. You will iconically get to know her as Pussy Lips. First of all, that's a great name, period. Porn, drag, Twitter handle, any instance, that's a good name. And nobody can tell me that it's not. And, and we then- will also have Emmy Award winner. <laughs> I have to put this out there right now. I'm going to spoil this for you right now. We're going to have Emmy Award winner Jennifer Coolidge having to do with this plot line, too. So I cannot wait. Oh, God. I can't do her voice. hi. I can't do her voice to save my life, but we need to acknowledge the fact that she is an Emmy Award winner. She just won recently for her work on White Lotus, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, White Lotus. And she fully deserves that respect and recognition because she's super talented, obscenely so. And she is genuinely, to me, one of the funniest women in Hollywood right now, unintentionally and intentionally. Apparently, there's a show on Netflix that I haven't seen where Mm -hmm. she's selling real estate as like a joke. I don't know the context for it, but that is a Ryan Murphy show, by the way. (laughs) I just saw the promo for it, and I've never been so sold on a show as fast as I was with that two-minute preview. You have, you have Jennifer Coolidge doing her Jennifer Coolidge-ness, selling real estate, talking about houses in the most generic way possible. Sign me up. Well, I have to say to you real quick that this series. Jennifer Coolidge is going to do something incredibly problematic because Ryan Murphy had the oh the early aughts like sense of humor, and uh, you know it's not a good look. So I think that he definitely owed her her own show. So good we'll, for her for getting that from Ryan Murphy of all people too. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But as of right now, she's still a winner in my book, baby. Once we yeah. get to the point where she's not a winner, then I'll be like, oh, that's yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, when we get to season five i think or season six we'll get there so uh episode seven is naomi Gaines, uh, a successful model in the area is assaulted by the carver which i'm not mistaken this is like the second time technically we hear of the carver 
but this is the first time actually it, it is the first time okay i wasn't sure because it's been kind of a while but this is the first time we get them and it's only a name only and only an experience so and sean is very compelled to start doing and helping more pro, pro bono julia invites ava and adrian over for dinner and the affair between her and matt is revealed in very dramatic fashion like holy crap dramatic fashion is this when we get the incredibly awkward um bedroom exchange between matt and adrian yes that's oh, definitely where that happens yeah, Jesus, that, <laughs> that is this entire this episode to me is like where the problems start to bubble to the surface with our characters but we also get bobby broderick who continues to harass sean till he gains perspective from naomi about what his work can do to save people's lives and to bring them into a better sense of themselves, Sean does offer her an apology and consults uh, consults recommendation as a counterpoint. It's this episode's not bad, but it is to me one of the stronger filler episodes, so to speak. Like it's trying to just help the plot move forward. Does a pretty good job. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good episode. Um, Julia is experiencing shingles from the guilt of her previous affair and the secret of Matt's fatherage. Uh, she finally admits to Sean about the true parentage that Matt has, tearing apart their marriage. Liz finds out that her baby will require more care and opts for an abortion. And Sean and Christian continue uh, to assist a woman who claims to be afflicted by stigmata, and she offers Sean comfort at the very end. Oh, good old comfort. Uh, Episode 9 is after the reveal of the last episode the boys talk about about separating and they realize they must come together to operate on conjoint twins they also share a sex worker for the night who happens to look like julia this episode to me is oh this conjoined twins episode it's problematic in its own unique way but it still does a it's a very heavy-handed metaphor episode very yeah. heavy-handed and also, I just want to point out, too, I did some uh, research on the, the actors who play the conjoined twins in this episode. They are real conjoined twins in real life. Um, they are currently 50. One of them was engaged. Oh, good uh, for her. Well, unfortunately, her fiancé died before they could Aww. get to that point. Um, and also, one of them is trans and a country, uh, a country music star. So congratulations to them. Good for y'all. Yeah. So continuing on, Kimber returns now as a success a successful porn star uh, who has her own doll and her likeness. Sean starts a relationship with her after being caught in a compromising position with the doll. Julia goes out for a bar uh, only to be mistaken for a sex worker and ends up in her own compromising position. And JK Simmons guest stars and wants breast implants. The, yeah. 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 Th- this is the, uh... If there was an episode, we're going to talk about this, but I'm just going to say it now. If there was an episode I could fully delete from this series, it would be this one. More you know, than, <laughs> even more so, even more so than that incredibly xenophobic episode we dealt with in season one. Yeah, I have. I do want to say that I really like this episode because we get a lot of Dylan Dylan Walsh's ass. Like that for me made it worth it. <laughs> if anything can fix it. Dylan Walsh is is fat white boy ass like he has no reason to be that caked up on a Thursday night honestly he really doesn't truthfully we we really need to acknowledge that right now but it's like hey Dylan Walsh if you ever listen to this we appreciate the work that you put in to maintain your figure for this show bless you you're just you're all you're almost at Christopher Maloney level almost you're getting there you're getting there 
Uh, episode 11, Natasha Charles, a blind woman who seeks to get new ocular implant. Uh, she charms Christians to the point that he's in love, which we do get Natasha as a recurring character, which I love. She's a wonderful addition to this cast, personally. I do think she deserves better, but we're not going to talk about that yet. Yeah, she uh, will be one of Christian's girlfriends. We only get, I think, three actual like major girlfriends, and she's one of them. So is she going to come back at some point or is this kind of like dead in the water now? She will guest star in one more episode, but it's more of like a brief cameo. So we That's, will see her. I can work with that. Yeah. Um, Julia, after seeing Sean with Kimber, decides to get breast am- implants, thinking it'll bring him back only for her to push him away. And then she gets, you know, high on pills and alcohol mm-hmm. and crashes through a fucking sliding glass door. Erica does try to reason with the boys and Julia, after seeing how much of her life is a freaking mess, all we have to say about this episode is a white refrigerator and lice. (laughs) Do you like that little touch? I appreciate that touch tremendously because I forgot about the fact that Annie has lice in it. And it's so incredibly (laughs) jarring because I've never, I never connected so emotionally and so enjoyed so much of a scene as watching Vanessa Redgraves basically act her way through being disgusted with the fact that a child has lice. She goes like, social disparity, <laughs> social inequity, lice, and a white refrigerator. Julia, I will buy you new linens. Just burn them. Julia, darling, we can afford to shop at Pottery Barn in West Elm. Why do you insist upon Target linens? <laughs> You know good and goddamn well that they're Walmart linens at this point in time. Oh, no. I like to think that Julia... Kmart. Kmart even. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. They're they're Sears. They're Sears clearance linens. Uh, I'm sent. Okay. Episode 13. Meryl is back and is now a sleazy doctor operating in a malpractice way. uh, And is confronted by Christian when he resorts to trying to kill him in jealousy and in vain. Meanwhile... Matt and Adrian have so much sexual tension that the principal gets involved and Ava offers Christian's work to bribe her and to get into boys out of trouble. And then Sean steps in and holds Mount, uh, Matt accountable. I'm sorry, I just said Mount. I was thinking of Matt <laughs> mounting Adrian or Adrian mounting Matt. It's fine. You know that that scene would be so incredibly hot it would melt the film. I it would, wait to see it it would destroy Cody. the camp. <laughs> At this time in the early 2000s, it would have been. It definitely would have been Sean Cody. It, or if, if not Sean Cody, you know what it would have been? Uh, broke it. College Boys. Or Broke Straight Boys. That one. It would have been BSB before it would have been on Sean Cody. And we all know it. We yeah, all absolutely. know it. Because they're two grungy looking boys. It's fine. But, it w- they were ju- but they were just clean cut enough it's that true. they could pass. That's the thing. That's the real kicker. Mm-hmm. Continuing. Uh, and we are on episode 14 now? Mm-hmm. God, there's a lot that happened in these last couple episodes. Um, Christian ends things with Natasha. Sean ends, th- ends things with Kimber. And Julia rekindles her relationship with Sean to separate Ava and Matt. And Adrian begins to unravel due to his jealousy with Matt and Ava, only to reveal that he is involved with his own mother to Julia. And Ava gaslights the fuck out of him and realizes and reveals that he's adopted. Let's just put it this way. If I could describe this episode in one word, it would be the long form version audio clip of um, what the hell's her name? Ali Wong just screaming, and it looked crazy. <laughs> it really did, though. It's I, really just that energy. 
I yeah, this episode is really problematic, but you know what? I really love it. Um because I really just like Ava literally like girl bossing, gatekeeping, and gaslighting Adrian until the very end. It's, she she gaslights him, she gatekeeps him, she girl bosses her way to the top. She is doing all three of them consecutively this episode, and with so much aggression and assertion and assurance, it's obscene. This is truly where she is the villain of the season. Yeah. She very actively moves into that villain category with this one. Like, in the the couple episodes that we get before her, it's like, she's a problem, and you're like, I don't feel comfortable with this character. This is where she fully is like, oh, you are a threat to the very foundations of this show. Yeah, she fully graduates from agent of chaos to life coach for evil. Life coach for evil? Yeah. Oh my god. We so need to get that shirt made for you. We really do. Uh, Episode 15, Sean is still operating on the victims of the Carver and is paid by, or is actually paid a visit by, by the said Carver. Uh, Gina reveals to Christian that she is HIV positive and rekindles a connection to Kimber on Christian's behalf after going through the list of women that he has slept with. Uh, While offering Gina mercy after he finds out that he, Wilbur, and James are all negative. We are also reintroduced to Dr. Quentin Acosta. Oh, that's that man is so fine. Yeah, he's the hottest fucking piece, and I can't wait for him to be in the next season. I'm trying to be polite, but comparatively speaking, these guest stars that we're getting to our main cast are somehow more interesting and more attractive, and it's very it's a very conflicting literally just wait until next season we have so many good guest stars and so many attractive people if i'm not say this right now bruno campos too we get an episode where he does the tango and it is the most sexual thing that like lit a fire in me it's just you rubbing the skin raw red raw and uncomfortable i want him to just fucking tango on my throat (laughs) tango on my body king on my body king jesus oh He's my a god lawyer. he wouldn't do that now it's fine he gave up stardom to be a lawyer he gave up stardom to be a... god that's such a boring transition i know but you know what he also his last role what he did was like the voiceover for the love interest in the princess and the frog he voiced prince naveen yeah he's prince oh yeah naveen. that's right that's right yeah. that's right you said that oh my god i did you know what, Bruno Campo, bless you for that one. You gave me one of my favorite characters' voices in, in Disney history. And even though it is, quote-unquote, ethnically ambiguous, I'll take it, okay? I'll take it. Well, he's Brazilian, so he is ethnically ambiguous. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> and you can say that as a Brazilian. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Okay, continuing on. Um. Okay, our final episode. Our final, final episode, which is honestly probably one of my favorite episodes so far because of how well it how well and how wrong it handles things is episode 16 matt and ava attempt to flee only for the trio to be discovered that only for the trio meaning christian sean and julia because you know we got to be united on all fronts against trans people at this point (laughs) discover that she's trans uh they bribe her to leave matt and that it's honestly kind of one of the few moments in the series that i really felt full circle energy because julia confronts her which is nice they bribe her to leave Matt with the full gender reassignment features she needs, which is basically, like I said, the retiling, the repaving, regrouting of her floor, which happens. It's okay. It's no big deal. Uh, Adrian ends up taking his own life, which, holy crap, that was out of left field, and I am very disappointed that that character is now gone. We're going to just acknowledge that for a minute. 
But only after realizing that Ava will never truly love him in the way that he needs to be loved, Sean decides he's going to take on the Carver after Visions of Escobar taught him, which honestly, thank God we got him back for just... Even if they're just hallucinations, this character needs to freaking come back already. I mean, he will. Thank God. And it's a little unfortunate that the Carver has eyes for Christian. And also Joan Rivers, apparently. But never, nevertheless, this episode's a lot. It's probably one of our first major guest stars on the show that we have. And it's probably one of my favorite little ending moments to this series, to this season. It was, it, it was really good all the way around. Yeah, this season has a lot going on in comparison to season one. <laughs> like... Yeah, season one's storylines and plot is very A to B, where this one is like, hey, we're going to have a life coach for evil. We're going to be revealing that they're trans. We're going to be revealing that they are having this questionable incestuous relationship with their child, which that's another thing that we need to mention is it's revealed in like the last episode or the last two episodes, I think, that we get Alec Baldwin's character of Dr. Moore himself revealing that Adrian is basically his son or their child in some aspect. I don't know exactly how, but that Adrian is technically a biological child of these yeah. two people yeah he's a uh a product of you know ivf or surrogation i forgot which one this i think it's surrogate um so in yeah, vitro fertilization it's for everyone yeah there you go see um so that concludes what we are doing with the plot lines and we are going to be moving into our next segment which is the main players um what did you think about like this season i want to ask you real quick before we get into that like because I know that season one, like we said, is very paint by numbers, like what is happening. And then season two is like, throw everything against the wall and see what happens. I think one of the biggest things is like we said at the end of our season one rap- recap is season one is very much establishing plot, character setting, all the shit that needs to be laid out. And they do it over a long period of time rather than just one or two episodes, which I like. And to me, as a viewer, I enjoy that more because then it invites you into the lives of the characters dealing with things how they react to stuff and then you become accustomed to it so season one did a really great job with that season two to me really sought to focus on we're gonna give these characters the worst possible scenarios and see what happens because right off the bat from season from episode one we're dealing with sean having emotional stress in his life as as just a jumping off point developing a tick which again i really do wish it was brought out more and expressed more in the season especially because he's dealing with the carver he's dealing with julia being unfaithful and to me that moment in the season when he finally decides to break it off with her very actively and they're kind of divided to me it's dylan walsh in in a really nice home territory he plays a very good jaded husband Yes. And now that leads us into our main players segment where we're going to be talking about the main cast. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Sean this season? I love Sean. I, even though I really was annoyed by him all of season one, I won't deny that this brought me to a point where I genuinely adore his character. They made him very dark. They made him edgy. They made him aggressive. They also made him very depressed and very mentally unwell because of what happened. And to me, Dylan Walsh plays it so aggressively convincing it's kind of it's kind of like watching a car crash because <laughs> you don't want to look away, but you want to know how this character is going to get through it. And when he goes to school in one of the later episodes, I think it's episode six, 14, when they mm-hmm. have to go to the high school. 
Yeah, when he uh, has to be daddy. Absolutely delicious. That episode and that moment with Sean, Sean slash Dylan Walsh, he ate that scene up. He absolutely decimated everything that needed to be pushed in the direction that needed to be pushed in the direction. It was like a full culmination of this character coming into their power again. And it was not only very attractive to watch, but like, like let's not be wrong here, but it was also really fucking cool to be a part of this and be like, hell yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah, because I feel like in season one, uh, Sean is really like relegated to the role of being like the straight man in comparison to Christian's wild card. Yeah. Um, and again, with like the red only, the red only, blue only energy that they have, like this is kind of like where we get to have him show like an exercise in restraint. Like Dylan Walsh does repression really well. He does restraint very well. He does subtle acting cues very well. But also what he does, like his blow-ups for his character, it shows that he has more range. And oh, yeah. in season one, I think for sure Christian is much more of the more interesting characters aside from the death of Megan O'Hara. I feel like that is the kind of like pivotal acting that we get out of him in season one. I um, think his him his character losing Megan was kind of a really good crux of a turning point for the character. I do wish there was a callback of the season to it even if it was really really brief to something like that but i, I mean we did we got it in julia's dream episode <laughs> her dream episode yeah hi i'm perfect and you're not pretty much that was the entire episode about uh megan o'hara being there she's like yeah no i'm a cancer survivor and uh i'm a good mom listen and up, i'm threes. also the woman bringing in all the money absolutely listen up threes a 14 is talking <laughs> literally Oh, but God, he, he, Dylan Walsh, you did a great job this season. Yeah, we salute you, Dylan Walsh, for season two. You did really well. And I really look forward to what you're going to see of his plot lines in season three. I thought you were going to see of his balls right now. I was like, what oh, the God, fuck? I wish. I wish. If we just got to see his ass and his giant balls from the back, it'd be great. That's all we need in this world. Dylan Walsh, if you're out there, our DMs are open. They are. And also, we know that you are not acting as much currently, but we do want to see you on our screens we love you dylan walsh it would be like i said i would love another ryan murphy production to just have these two these characters come back and be side characters to a main plot line not american horror stories but like american crime story or like i don't know just just another show that he's like ryan murphy produces that happens to take place in miami and one of the characters happens to need plastic surgery or something well the closest we got to that was american horror story freak show because that's set in jupiter florida so that was also set in like the 30s yeah so <laughs> Dude, <that laughs> they're gonna be playing old-timey doctors i don't think it's gonna happen uh, i don't know we'll see what happens okay so next character up on our roster is christian uh what do you think of christian this season dom i genuinely like the flip that was given this season where they were because you could tell that season one was very much them using Julia McMahone to kind of be the wild card. Like you said, that red blue Oni dynamic that they have going. I like the fact that they were able to flip it and reverse it where now Sean is basically being the more outlandish, the more wild, the more questionable of the two, so to speak. Yeah. We fully got the Missy Elliott where she put her flame down, flipped it in reverse. <laughs> she fully did. Um, I like the fact that Christian in this season is having a lot less sex. <laughs> like in season one, he was pretty much like the eye candy. And in this season, he gets to be more of an actor. Honestly, I completely agree with you. I like aggressively so. 
because his character is so much more compelling when you get to sit and see him in difficult situations. His entire storyline with the Wilbur thing, I genuinely did not know which way it was going to go for long for about a solid episode. Well, it's only over the course of three. Yeah, it's only over the course of I think three episodes. But when they finally start talking about like him trying to like clean up his act and selling things and like toning it down a little bit, I was like, this could be this would be amazing if this child's. I mean, I understand why they didn't do it because it would make a very difficult story plotline. But I was like, is this gonna happen? Because I'd be down. Yeah, I think in all honesty, I think he only had three sex scenes this season, which is kind of surprising looking back. Because um, actually, no, four, because I guess one of them was kind of like a, a weird non-con thing with Ava. But yeah, um, we I think he only has like four sex scenes this season. And I think the best one is with Natasha because of how intimate it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to say, too, like I love seeing Julian like get to show vulnerability, like him with Wilbur, him doing things like picking up his toys when he doesn't have custody around the house, him just showing glee when he shows up at the door, like him getting to be a dad and then also comforting Gina after he finds out that they're all negative and is just trying to like comfort her or like being gentle with Natasha and trying to set her free. Like we get to see a lot more character development, I feel like, from him this season. Absolutely. Because one of the other ones that I was thinking of that I mentioned very actively because I do, I remember and I loved it is when he talks to Kimber. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, no, that... he does have, he has like five or six sex scenes this season. I lied. It's kind of Mabika and Kimber too. It's down from like 13 though. So yeah, that's true. He's, he's gotten like half the number of sex scenes he did last season. But that particular little exchange that they have when he's talking to her about possibly being HIV positive and having to like address it. It's a really, like I said, it's Ryan Murphy doesn't give us tender scenes a lot in some of his work, but when he does, he hammers that shit home and it's always worth it. Yes, just like in season two of American Horror Story with Jessica Lange giving the monologue about the squirrel. Yeah. Like that, I feel like, is this kind of acting where we're giving Julian McMahon like a lot more of like humanistic behaviors. It's it's meaty acting. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, so going on to our next character, which is Julia. This, I'm just going to say it. This season was literally st- how Stella got her groove back. That's all it is. <laughs> I mean, really and truly, that's what it is. We get Julia kind of down in the dumps for the first couple of episodes, especially post her d- breakup slash divorce from Sean, which is good. I appreciate that. I do love how she's very... the. This is the thing. This this character gets a double-edged sword, in my opinion, this season, because initially when we start out with her and we have her kind of going through the motions of trying to be on her own again and separating herself and going through that grief and that process, and even up until when she gets her breasts done. It's, her breast augmentation? Her breast augmentation. Her breast, breast augmentation? Breast augmentation. Just feeling more like me. Just feeling more like a woman. <laughs> feeling natural. But we get that, and... Up until when she literally falls through that glass door, it's kind of reasonable for her to be kind of out of all sorts and just be doing random shit. So I kind of love it. And I love how everyone's on her ass about it because they're like, you're supposed to be responsible. And I'm like, if I was in this position, my life would be destroyed too. Like I would fall through a plate glass window. Like, let's be real. Yeah. I feel like Julia gets to be a more flawed character 
uh, I love that we get her mother more so and that yeah. relationship sh- between the two of them. Cause I feel like it explains like who Julia is more so because in season one, she's a stifled wife who has higher expectations for herself. In season two, we get to see her as more of a vulnerable person rather than just kind of like the archaic trope of a dissatisfied wife. Yeah. And as much as we like to see her be stifled and dissatisfied, like we really like to see Julia win and, I really like that she kind of like had that rags to riches story this season. I do appreciate the fact that they gave her kind of like the generic himbo boyfriend where we don't really have to like be interested in him. You mean Zenis? Yeah, the Zenis instructor. I love that. Yeah, no, that was fun. Uh, uh, it's kind of a downgrade from Jude, but you know, hey, we'll take it. I am going, uh, yes, but you know this about me, and I've said this about this character already. The fact that Julia didn't sleep with jude and won't sleep with jude is the biggest slap in the face that this show could give us because if that would have made any to me it would have been a perfect callback to season one is to have her actively seek him out like a grinder hookup and go and find him and sleep with him for the sake of sleeping with him or develop a relationship with him because at least in the first season to me they had some type of connection even if it wasn't like strictly mental there was some emotional like reciprocation that they had even despite what ended up being quote-unquote revealed about him at a later date Mm -hmm. it still felt interesting it felt like it could have been fun okay let's move on to matt (sighs) he is so hot and so crazy all at the same time john hensley you did it but then you also shouldn't have done it I feel like the haircut really is what solidified him into being a better character this season. That's what changed you. I was like, you know what? You got a better haircut. Yeah. And they stopped treating him like he was actually like 13, 14 years old. Like he's actually a fully like almost 25 year old man in real life, probably. Um, sorry if you guys heard that motorcycle just went by. But no, I really do like that they give John Hensley a lot more to do too. Because frankly, I think that he's a really good actor and doesn't get a lot of work. And I feel like the show should have really projected him a lot further. It, well, it introduced him and it, it made him a side character in his own main story. Does that make sense? I get that because, I mean, in comparison to like where he's going to go, because I had that foresight, like, I feel like this is one of his stronger seasons. I feel like season three is his strongest season where he gets a lot more screen time. So, Fair. yeah, we're going to get a lot more Matt next season. And I cannot wait because I feel like his next season storyline is so much more, so much more fun. I, like I said, I really enjoy John Hensley as this character of Matt. I'm not even joking, even despite how terrible and how horrible this character is probably going to become as the series progresses, I would not be opposed to watching John Hensley revive this character in his own series somehow. I don't know exactly how. I don't. This is me just spitballing at this point. But it's because this character is put through the ringer. And I want to see him add a no... Uh, I want to see him take out his non-nudity clause and his contract, give him nude scenes please somebody for the love of god john hensley so hot you are more thirsty than i am right now and i love that for you I i'm really thirsty for john that. hensley and seth gable 100 percent, and also bruno campos i want them two to come back i want seth gable and john hensley to star in something as either friends boyfriends lovers, something like that that requires a nude scene let's put it that way 
Yes. Like, I really, Ryan Murphy, if you're going to give us another gay drama, please give us these two straight men playing gay Please. Queer betas. Oh, queer betas harder. (laughs) Just dangle it right in front of us, always on the edge. Honestly. But no, I feel like, uh, you know, Matt gets a lot to do this season with Ava in particular. And I'm really glad that, like, he gets to be upgraded, I feel like, from what he was in season one, where he was just relegated to being the kid. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's 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 a development that benefits his acting capability and his character in a lot of ways. And it's just fun. It's just fun to see how it develops. Yeah, and I like to see him interact with people outside of his family too. Oh yeah, completely. Matt needs to have a wider social circle, not just his friend who happened to go to prison. Yeah, and in season three, we're going to get a lot more of him, like I said. We're going to get a lot more of him interacting with people outside of the family again. And... Uh, you know, he's going to finally be done with high school after that. So he will no longer be a high schooler in the fucking series. Thank God. Now we I can know. finally start talking about him. Yeah. Okay. Now we get to Liz. I love the fact that you included Liz on this list. When in reality, her main ro- episode roles were like maybe two, maybe three at most. Yeah. We still haven't gotten a lot of Liz. I have to include her in like the main players list because she is billed as a main character at this point in time still. So she doesn't get to do a lot this season, I feel like. Um, We will be getting a lot more of her in season three. And I feel like this is where we actually get her being so iconic. Um, Because I feel like in season one, the most we get with her is like with Sophia. Yeah. And in this season, the most we get with her is the loss of the baby with Christian. I... (sighs) It's a weird predicament that they put Roma Mafia in in this. And, and I feel like this is a question that maybe you can answer, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But if she's getting top billing, like she's part of the main ensemble, the main cast, she's still getting paid for even not showing up and doing work, right? Yeah, she's one of the contract players. I mean, even if she's in a background scene, just giving one line that's snarky, like she's getting paid, which good okay, for her. Get see, the access. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. That's the type of job I need. Yeah, I mean... I, That's what I want to be. I don't want to be so famous that I have to be the main character, but I want to be famous enough that I get top billing and only have to show up for three or four scenes to yes. give, like, a harsh one-liner and leave. In the grand scheme of things, of course, where yeah, she's there she to is. just do that. And, uh, you know, I, I really want to see Liz come back with more in season three. So, And I really anticipate you getting a lot more formal attachment to her because in season one, the glimpses that we do get of her make her so likable. And in season two, they gave her like very little to do. The thing is though, and this is what I'm, this is my, my contrasting opinion. I don't want to say contrasting opinion. I don't know exactly what exactly I would say about this, but it's, she's presented and given actually good scenes though, because her entire exchange with, Mabika in that in that episode, which I believe is episode, it's like episode two or three. It's really early on. Three. Yeah. It's actually a good exchange. It's not forced. It's not uncomfortable. It's a little bit comedic, but it's very heartfelt and it's very interesting to see this character actually be able to flex their muscles and really kind of talk someone through something that's kind of traumatizing. Her entire storyline with even with Christian is it's a really cool dynamic to finally see Christian in particular recognize and acknowledge the fact that Christian Sean, Nurse Linda, and Nurse Liz, because Liz is the anesthesiologist, Mm -hmm. have worked together for the better part of like 30 years at this point. Yeah. They acknowledge that. 
Yeah, they do. And you know what? I, I really want to say it too. Like she is kind of like relegated into the background with nurse Linda a lot more this season. Um, which is, you know, okay. Like, because the, the plot didn't have a lot to do with her this season, but next season we have a lot more. And I feel like for me, this is where she gets to be the character where you fully get to be attached to her. And even nurse Linda kind of gets more to do in season three, which makes me happy. Cause I really like nurse Linda too, as a character. That, but that's exactly what we need is because these background, see, this is me saying, and this is me getting on my high horse for a second as a writer. If, yeah, as a writer, if you have background characters that are fun and interesting and have clearly been established in the character's own canon, basically, where they actively acknowledge that these five, six people have worked together for the better part of like 25, 30 years, utilize them, make them fun, make them interesting. No, let's be real. If you and I had been working at an office together for the better part of our lives up to this point or even further on, you and I would have some shit talking about each other that most people wouldn't get. We would have stories, we would have dinners, we would have holidays that we would have where we can talk about it. And it would be like this little moment between us because we know each other, even probably mostly in a a professional sense, but also probably in a social sense. It's not far-fetched to think that Sean, Christian, and them all went to dinner a couple times. Well, we may like brand ourselves as the Christian and Sean of this podcast. In reality, we're probably the nurse, Linda and Liz. But we're okay with that. That's true. We are. Um, Okay. So let's get into our next segment, which is going to be major guest players. Um, So these are going to be all the side characters that we have in the season. And I'm going to run through them briefly. uh, If you want to trade off again, like we did, um, Kind of, do you want to give like your full consensus thoughts to every one of these characters, or do you want to just kind of like throw out what they do if they're not a major character? Uh, we'll run through the list and we can pick and choose. We can pick and choose because you have to remember we didn't get a lot of detail for some of these characters, and some of them were like one off. So, like, you know, let's go through it. Yeah, okay. So, I'll let you start since you did the last time. Oh, let's start off with our icon, our queen, my favorite person on this show right now, and my favorite celebrity individual. Who I'm not even joking. At this point, I would genuinely love to meet Kelly Carlson and just thank her for this role of Kimber Henry. She's oh, flawless. She's, she's gorgeous. She's honestly hilariously talented in this show, and she does an exceptional job. The episode with her doll is honestly really comedic when you think about it. Yeah, she, she has brings in a doll and is she... like, "Hey, <laughs> I need you to make this look more real." So, can you do it? <laughs> like, can I... you make my lips more real? <laughs> I love the fact that she, like, we still do not have an explanation if she, like, just fully carried the doll in, if she dragged it in, or if she put it in a wheelchair, (laughs) since we are technically at a surgeon's office. I swear to God, if this podcast ever, 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 ever becomes, like, a full-time career for us, if this podcast has merch, I'm saying it now, and tell tell me this would not be a thing. We have got to make fucking keychains of that damn sex doll. The Kimber Just, doll? Yes, the Kimber oh, doll. Oh, God. Because it's never, like I said, that is my only thought that episode, is that it's never explained how this doll gets moved. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I, okay. So my thoughts on Kimber this season is that I love the fact that she is not just relegated to being the crazy ex-girlfriend that was, like, torturing Christian. Absolutely. 
um, she gets to be a lot more complex and like nuanced in comparison to season one. Like she gets to have relationships outside of Christian, which I, really brings her into the show a lot more. Um, and I really am excited for her plotline in season three because she has, in my opinion, the very best plotline in season three. Like she is going to be the main character, in my opinion. Like her and Matt are the two main characters of Good season to know. three. Good to know. So, and Liz too. We we get all three of them being main characters, which I really love to see. Um, she will be joining our main cast next season. So I, even though she's appeared a lot. I think that Kimber and Kelly Carlson are fantastic and we can simply never get enough of them on our TV screens. And Kelly, we know that you're a fan of the show. Please come on the podcast and let us ask you things. We have so much to ask you. Also just to worship at your altar for a little bit, because let's be real. You're Kelly fucking Carlson. You honestly looked amazing in this show. And even on your Instagram now, you're still gorgeous and you've, Honestly, you were the only celeb who reached out to us after you found out we were talking about you. So we honestly, we love and respect you just for that. That means the world to us. A hundred percent. And thank you for being a military wife who promotes like such good causes. We love you, Kelly. Absolutely. Bless it out there. A hundred percent. Up next, we have Jesslyn Gilsig, who plays Gina Rousseau, a former sex addict and counselor for Sex Addicts Anonymous. Anonymous sorry, let me put that out there. Um, turned baby mama, who is HIV positive for Christian Again, another queen. female character. Queen status. Queen status. You. Not chewing the scenery, eating it. Eating it fully when she's on on screen. And not only to me does she have one of... It, she has a really interesting turnaround, too. Because much like Kimber's character, you're introduced to her in this very casual setting. And you think, oh, she's just going to be like this one-off throwaway character. And very actively, that's not even close to the case at all. Yeah, you know what's funny is that Kimber was supposed to be a one-off throwaway character, which is I, the craziest part. I can see that. Yeah, she was honestly supposed to be written off after episode one. But Jesslyn Gilsig, I feel like for her, I feel like she was intended to originally be the Kimber of the show, um, which is kind of funny to think about because when we get her character introduction, it's literally just her like staring off in the distance. Truly. But Jesslyn Gilsig really does lean in hard with this and even when she comes back later in the season and just introduces herself with that hey asshole it's so good and it's honestly it's honestly iconic at this point because what other character could really be introduced in a fashion and you immediately know who the fuck they're talking about you immediately know this is this character they're talking to christian they don't like each other and it's glorious yeah, and I feel like in season one, Jesslyn is very much, like, relegated to being the character who is jilted and very, like, sad. Yeah. And I feel like in season two, even though she has bad things happen to her, like, she gets to be a lot more, like, confident in the agency that her character has and the confidence that she has as she kind of, like, trades barbs with Christian more, as she gets to be uh, more formed as, like, a character who's flawed in a lot of ways, um, but has so much humanity like ryan murphy really likes jesslyn and you can tell because like gina gets to be a very like fun character throughout the series so who's next uh we have famka jansen famka jansen who is our (laughs) eponymous life coach for evil (laughs) which i still love that title this is a great title. It's, it just feels right for her. I mean, Famka is just like, honestly, 
amazing and 100% like she did get a lot more work in her early part of her career but I feel like she still could get a lot of like longevity out of her career and I'm glad that she will be reappearing in the series too I want her to reappear in this series for several reasons but I want to really take a moment and this is me this is not me saying oh the other women didn't live up to it but because her character plays such a pivotal role in this series and because of how well Fomka leans into this character and their nonsense. This character, despite being a life coach for evil, despite being this villain, despite being even a very poor choice for trans representation on our screens, it's so fucking good to watch, though. She eats every scene that she's in. She makes it about herself. And she plays this almost omniscient character that's... I, I don't know if it's... I'm going to assume it's intentional. Yeah. But she plays omniscient to the extent that it is so unsettling. It really makes you question a lot more about this character than anything else. Because, like, yeah, the trans reveal was not what we anticipated. Nor was the totally, you know, ruining doctor-patient privilege. But you got to admit that, that that principal's office sequence is so good because she's so full of herself. And I really want to say, too, that, like, she, like, in this series at this point in time was a very controversial character um, for obvious reasons. Clearly. But, like, yeah, there's an op-ed about this character in particular being on TV um, that makes a really good counterpoint to that, which, as you will get to see her throughout the rest of the series, um, she gets to be pretty much the hero of the show because you kind of want her to win because in the way that like she is the bad guy, she's getting everything that she wants. And she, despite doing kind of like duplicitous and deplorable things in season two, she gets to be a person who's uh, in the grand scheme of the show, a not a bad person, which is saying a lot. So <laughs> look forward to that guys. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I understand that they had to really demonize her to give her her comeuppance as the show progressed, especially in season two, because it only made sense. The the story arc has to have a crest at some point, because if it doesn't, then people stop watching and like, what the fuck's the point? But this character genuinely is so freaking compelling. It's annoying how much I want to see her win. Yeah, and she legitimately will change the entirety of the ending of the series. No bless. joke. Absolute she, bless. Yeah. No, literally the, I'm not going to lie. What was originally proposed was very bleak and they scrapped that idea and it's because of her. So Didn't we look they, forward to her. I know, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. Didn't they want her to die? No, she, that's one of the few things that's not patently true. Ava was never intended to die. So that's a good thing. We get a okay. trans woman who lives. Absolutely. At this point, we'll take it. At this point, we'll take it, okay? We'll, 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 again, we acknowledge that this show was made 20 some odd years ago and was not at the end of, was not the beginning of even relative woke culture. It was, we're going to work with what stereotypes we have, and Ryan Murphy's just kind of, just going to push him to the front of the line because really, this is all we had at the time. Yeah. And we're going to have two more characters, I think, that really, actually, maybe three technically speaking, that give us trans representation in the series. So 
you know, this is the two that we have so far is Sophia and Ava. And obviously Ava at this point in time is not the character for good trans representation, but she's there nonetheless and plays a pivotal role yeah, in but making the conversation go forward. I know it's not the healthiest thing. And I know I'm probably one of the more controversial people to say this. I like queer villains though. I do too. 100%. I think it's, I think it's, it's not that it's more fun or that the representation is like better, but it is true that, you know what, just because you're, gay trans by identify however you identify however you orient yourself within the world you can still be the villain you can still be highly problematic and this this narrative that i've seen sometimes in some not all but some queer media that we as members of the lgbtq community have to be inherently good is so asinine and so wrong and so skewed in one direction that it is really, really unhealthy for us as a community to even acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you can be a villain. You can be the problematic one. Like, girl, maybe you're the problem. Again, I'm going to plug the new Queer as folk as well for that reason. There you go. <laughs> we, we get all of that. Um, so moving on to our next character, we are going to Seth Gable as Adrian Moore. He is Ava's son, uh, a.k.a. our bisexual evil prince, who is having an incestual affair and dies R.I.P. Prince. I am very mad that this character is gone. I am too. Um, I feel like Adrian had a lot of potential to drive things forward in the plot. Um, had he just been like abandoned by Ava, like let's say she actually just runs away to Paris by herself and leaves Adrian. I feel okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side write something here really quick. I wanted Ava to leave him in Paris, and I wanted Matt, I wanted Sean, Julia, or Christian to adopt him. I would deal with that. his and deal with his hijinks, where I don't I don't want it to I really don't want it to be Christian, but I also don't want it to be Julia. I feel like him and Sean would have had a really interesting father son dynamic where it would have really developed Dylan Walsh's portrayal of Sean, and it might have rounded out and been a really cool foil to have, um, Adrian develop this very close relationship with Sean. And Matt be the jealous one for a bit. Yeah, and I also would have... I'm going to throw this out here right now, okay? Hear me out. Adrian is the carver. Like, how great would that have been as a reveal for her? It would have been fascinating. It really would have been. It would have been so crazy that this character... Like, again, those two together. Yeah. Totally good, healthy relationship with this person who he cares about and loves him. And he's, like, acknowledging the fact that he's like, oh, he takes care of me. He's damaging these people because that's the only outlet for his anger at this point. It would have been fascinating. It would have been interesting, and it would have been very Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Okay. Just gonna say that. Also, thank you, Seth Gable, for showing your entirely bare ass to us on television. <sighs> in its morbid. We genuinely. He's and he's only aged so well too. Like, please come back on our screens and show your ass more, please. We're begging I'm, you. I I will put the five dollars down for your OnlyFans, sir. We <laughs> saw it on American Horror Stories Milkmaids episode, which is like the fourth one in or fifth one. But you know what? It was good. We got to see it again. He still looks great. Oh my god! Please come back to our TV, Seth Gable. We need you. Most of the people that are on this show, we want back in more in more media. Let's just say that, okay? We've pretty much determined that almost everyone, save for uh, like the rare few that are like minor guests, are obscenely talented and underrated actors and actresses in Hollywood at this point. Yeah, and then we're going to move on to our, our last, I think, major guest star character. 
um, who's Vanessa Redgrave says Erica Naughton. Oh, Jesus. I, just... I love this woman so much. So much. I will never get over how unrelentingly comedic it is to, again, like I said earlier, to watch Vanessa Redgraves have to act through the white refrigerator and life sequence of this show was my favorite thing of all time. It was almost as good as seeing her get read to filth by Famka. It was that good. It was so funny. Yeah, and for those of you who didn't know who Vanessa Redgraves was before, to put you in perspective, she's on like Helen Mirren level of contemporary and Meryl Streep level of contemporary. And like, I don't know, let's say Jane Fonda level of contemporary. Like she is an Oscar winner and a prestigious British actress. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. She was way too overqualified to be on the show at this point in time in her career. Let's put it, let me put it to you. Let's put it in perspective. It would be the equivalent of having like Viola Davis be a, on a on a very s- small show, so to speak, yes. as a full time character at this point. Remember when she was know, on CSI? There you go. That yeah, let's put it, that's exactly what it is. It's you would be a guest star on an ep- not even an episode of CSI or even like SVU or something. You'd be like the SVU spinoff that they just released that's streaming exclusively online, like. Her being on this show, even I have to acknowledge this because, again, I will. I know of her. I have not seen a lot of her work. I know she's very talented and very well known, specifically in the theater scene. Mm-hmm. Vanessa Redgraves, though, being on this show is really and truly Ryan Murphy getting Jessica Lang before Jessica Lang. Yeah. If you want to watch a good movie of hers, Dom, I recommend the movie Julia. It's her Oscar winning performance um, where she gets to be the titular character of Julia. So uh, she's she's really great. We can't I'm, recommend her enough. I love her. I love her in this. She's so fucking fun. She's interesting. And to me, the thing that sold me, I don't know if it, I think it's this season, mm-hmm. is her actually being an older woman and being sexually active and even promiscuous. We yeah. stand an icon and we stand that kind of energy. People forget that the Golden Girls were one of the shows that did it too in the eighties. But seeing this happen now in modern day and especially in modern media having a woman be considered past her prime, so to speak, and still be sexual is absolutely, I'm a hundred thousand percent here for it. Yes. So we salute you. We look forward to having you back on the series because she will be coming back for future seasons up until I think the very last season. So we get a lot more of Vanessa Redgraves to be coming. Next on our list. Yes. This is where we're going to do what we were doing in the first time where we're just kind of like going to mention what the, who they are and what they did in the season and if like we care about them or not so this is where you're gonna start off and we're gonna trade again so you're gonna start with this one uh aisha tyler as mabika manya the female genital mutilation victim i love aisha tyler to begin with she's funny as helen archer and if you haven't seen her in that watch archer it's abs it's pure comedy yeah aisha tyler is great put her in everything god a black ops field agent i thought she was gonna go a different way with that one (laughs) <laughs> yeah no we love Aisha Tyler she's great comedic legend we stand uh, next up we have Doug Savant as Joel Gideon the person who inspires Sean to live more dangerously um, I love him he's great in Desperate Housewives as Lynette's husband Tom and if you guys didn't know who he was before in Melrose Place as well definitely check that out great character one of the first gay representation that we got shout out to um, Wisteria Gaze yeah Wisteria Gaze we love Salute 
and absolutely would love to do a collab at some point. This is why I reached out and asked you guys, Mackenzie and Ned, that we wanted to do an episode with you because there's a lot of Desperate Housewives crossover. So just actors and actresses at this point. We got time. Yeah, we have the time. Um, up next, Ruth Williamson as the incomparable Mrs. Grubman, the plastic surgery addicted philanthropist. I uh, if I don't know if Ruth Williamson is still with us today. I believe she is. Yes. But I would kill to have a conversation with her because I've said this and I said this in season one. I love a rich white Karen on television, not in real life, but on television, any type of white woman that wears a big floppy hat to the fucking airport to me is comedy gold waiting to happen. And her character is so much fun in the show. She is. And I feel like Ruth Williamson too, like just listening to her talk is just so nice. Like the cadence that she carries herself with is just, oh, like, absolutely. I, I would love to just have a conversation with her. And I would point. like to bring this back for a moment because mm-hmm. that green ensemble that she wore when she was going to sleep with Christian is such a truce. Absolutely. It is still one of my favorite looks from this entire series so far. It's a the, fucking look. The only other one that's come nearly as close, the only one that's come nearly as close, and you know what I'm going to tell you, which it is, is Kimber in that freaking leather peacoat as a dress. Yes. It's, that was such, great too. it's such a good look. Pride looks. Pride looks for a cold pride. That's what you wear. A leather peacoat with nothing underneath. So when we go to Alaska Pride, that's what we're wearing. Okay, got we're it. We're going to the four, the 14th annual Nome Alaska Pride Parade. Yeah. Nome Alaska, okay. if you're listening out there, we love you and we would love to visit. Absolutely. Up next, we have Jill Clayburgh as Bobby Broderick, the patient who terrorized Sean. Um, Jill Clayburgh is amazing. She is one of our Emmy nominations in the show for a guest star. And Which... you know what? Like, I feel like this role didn't give her a lot other than to be manic. It didn't. But let's be real. And this is me saying it. She still got fucking nominated. That yeah. says something. And she's a pretty well-respected actress, too. I feel like a lot of people kind of forget who she is. Um, she's been in a lot of things. And my favorite one that she was is actually Brian Murphy's film debut, Running With Scissors. See, there you go. Yeah, she's I great actually, in that. I actually really love the character of Bobby Broderick because it was just unhinged enough. Just on the cusp of being a really annoying character. But it also made her really compelling because you could to some extent sympathize with her and understand where she was coming from and they did a fairly a fairly okay job of touching on the subject of you know aging and not feeling yourself anymore and knowing that when you do go in for procedures there are always risks involved so you know be yeah, aware and, and to be frank i think she's going to be the only patient that we have in the series that's not satisfied with her surgery oh wow that's saying something yeah so you know bobby roderick you played a part we love you, Jill Clayberg, uh, too. Rest in peace. You're a fantastic actress. We love and miss you. Uh, next up, we have Elaine Houseman, who plays uh, Allegra, a.k.a. Pussy Lips, which, let's be real, that episode co- said feminism. That really did. The comedic chops that she has so briefly are just so good. <laughs> and I can't I, wait for her to have a whole episode in season six where she gets to have some of her range. I love nothing more. And this is, I, I would love, if I could ever have a show, I love nothing more than older women who are playing unintentionally hilarious roles, you know? Where it's like, they're not there to be funny, but they're given some of the funniest crap in the show to say. She does a fairly good job of this in there because 
even though the situation is very uncomfy, it's one of those times where you're just like, you watch the sequence and it's like, you're right there with her feeling that weird validation and that weird feminist moment and conversation about he won't go down on me because he's very traditional. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's some bullshit girl. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have Leslie Bibb as Naomi Gaines, uh, who is the model who's assaulted by the Carver. Fun fact, she was in popular, like Leslie Grossman, uh, which was Ryan Murphy's first series. So I feel like, you know, again, getting to see a recycled cast. I think that she's great. Um, Personally, she didn't get a lot to do, but I think that she's a good character. I'm going to say this, even though I wasn't like the biggest fan of Leslie Bibb in this, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it because I wasn't. It's, it's a... personally a fairly forgettable character i genuinely do want to take a moment and at least acknowledge leslie bibb and leslie grossman together because they're fucking amazing and i love i love the comedy that they both have yes like come on give them more honestly okay next up the the legend the icon the moment that is sarah paulson playing agatha rip like let's be real she not this was her full audition for anything Ryan Murphy put out from here on out. Let's just Pretty say much. that. We yeah, don't she... need to say any more of this. It's Sarah freaking Paulson, okay? Yeah, and if you guys don't know who Sarah Paulson is in relation to Ryan Murphy, who are you are in a fucking you? coma? Are you <laughs> in a fucking coma? Are you even watching the show? Yeah, so honestly, Sarah Paulson, we have a lot to say about you. A lot of it is just singing praises. We're not going to waste all of our time on this. Um, going on next, J.K. Simmons, who is the man who wants the breast augmentation. Uh... I didn't like this character. We love you, J.K. Simmons. You deserve better work. J.K. Simmons is an incredibly fun actor from what I've heard. And I love a lot of the roles that he's in, including his very, very comedically and very well-timed version of uh, J. Jonah Jameson in any of the Spider-Man renditions. I think he plays it very hilariously well. So I love you for that. And I appreciate your comedic chops. This role was not it, though. Yeah, my favorite J.K. Simmons role, ironically, is in Juno. (laughs) Not a bad role, though. Yeah, no, I love him being, you know, a father. And a good father. A supportive father. Yeah. Okay, very next much up. So. Uh, next up, we have... Honestly, I want Rebecca Gayhart to be in more crap. I love I'm her in this you, as Natasha Charles, the blind lover of Christian. And she, the absolute angel. She is the moment. She is the icon. She deserved more always in her acting career. She has the fucking credits and range, okay? Like, she has it. She has the X Factor. And then, in all honesty, she's an incredibly good-looking woman, too. I would love to see her play something where she's kind of a bitch. I know that's uh, kind Jawbreaker. of a, There we go. We'll just watch Jawbreaker then. Never mind. Or we'd love you in more, Yeah, but we would love you in more stuff, Rebecca Gayhart. We miss you ter- terribly. Yeah, we do. Please come back and more stuff. And I know that she's kind of like on an upswing in her life right now because she just got featured in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she and Brad Pitt were photographed together, kind of like canoodling. So Good for you. Yeah, we love you, Rebecca Gayhart. Keep winning in life. Um, uh, let me get the <laughs> towel out for this one. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're the one that's going to say it. I introduced the last okay. one. This is you. So I'm, I'm preparing for the flood that is coming from you. Uh... Bruno Campos <laughs> as Dr. Quentin Acosta, who will be joining the cast in next season. Oh, 
I'm so hot. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary individuals, I would like to let you know that the wooden floors that are in my co-host's room are now ruined. Yeah, no, I'm so hot for this man. I can't wait for him to get to be a character too because he's such a good As it stands currently, he's attractive and he's kind of a good person, so I don't know what to expect. I'm interested to see what happens next season though. Yeah, it's fun. Um, Next up, Alec Baldwin as Dr. Barrett Moore, which is Ava's ex-husband and also ex-surgeon. Alec Baldwin is currently, unfortunately, going through it, still being investigated for an onset accidental shooting that resulted in the death of, uh, I believe it's an assistant. I do not know their title, unfortunately. She's a director. Yeah, she was she was unfortunately killed in an, in an accident that happened on set, and he's going through it. But Alec Baldwin is a really fun actor, although I will say that in this role it felt very cheesy because he's he's playing. I'm going to be honest. He's playing basically Doctor Moreau in this. He has an yeah. ascot and a linen a linen tweed suit, like with a non speaking ethnic gardener assistant like i'm sorry you're playing dr monroe in the dr monroe in this and i don't appreciate it yeah alec baldwin has a very like decorated acting career but like as a person he's done some controversial things um so there's that yeah 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 we're gonna move on the ever fucking present legend herself joan rivers the ever the evergreen we need to take we need to take a moment and just say this too because a lot of young people today think of Joan Rivers as an older woman and that's okay there's something wrong with that that was when Joan really was in her stride but I've got bored one night and I didn't realize how long and how arduous Joan Rivers had to fight to be respected as a comedian in her early years she is the moment like the whole reason she- we have any of the female comics of the, of this day and age is because of women like her and Elaine Stritch and I can't remember, uh, even Carol Burnett. It's like these women who really were in comedy in the early years who really didn't get any respect or any recognition worked their fucking asses off to the hilt to get to where Joan is in this, where she's known. She's playing herself. How much better could it be in a show? You're playing yourself. Honestly, Joan Rivers, we love, salute, and as gays, we want you to know that we love you. Melissa 100%. Rivers, if you ever hear this, we lo- we loved your mother as much as the next people. She was fucking hilarious. She was whip smart. And if you ever want a good time, meaning anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you ever just want to kill some time, go and find the roast of Joan Rivers and specifically her final monologue. Because it's actually... The way that she just rips into Kathy, Giff- uh, Kathy Griffin at the very beginning by calling her a bitch and telling her that she stole her act and stole her gaze is so good. It's so on brand with her, with her style of comedy, even her comedy specials, her comedy specials older and newer are awesome. They're funny as hell. Absolutely. We love Joan Rivers. We love you, Melissa Rivers. We want you to know that too. And we love Cooper too. Cooper is a really attractive young man who's doing things with his life. And I'm really happy that he had a good relationship with his grandmother. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be gross first and then I'm going to, I'm going to be sympathetic as well. On a very, yeah. Cooper's an adult. Now we can talk about him in this way in any way that we choose now, but I'm not gonna, I'm going to be respectful because as someone who was very close with their grandmother as well, 
I totally can relate to and even sympathize a little bit with Cooper in that sense where it's like you have a cool you have a cool history with with someone iconic and famous and it's good that you have a good relationship with them yeah and i'm and i'm very on the same level with uh, cooper rivers in that in that energy and in that aura and experience 100% okay now to our, our last two segments we have general thoughts about the season uh what did you think about what was your favorite episode i want to know that Oh, let's see. I'm going to scroll through the list for a second because, like I said, this season, it was very much a Ryan Murphy production because it starts off and it does that slow build and then it's just throwing the kitchen sink at you every now and then. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I think one of my favorite episodes is probably, I think it's the second to last episode where Mm -hmm. it's starting to become more of an this is if i'm not mistaken isn't it episode 15 where sean gets attacked by the carver yes 14 episode 15 yeah that really honestly was my favorite episode for that reason alone and it sounds very superficial and very hollow and it kind of negates everything else that's gone on in this in the series but because you're getting this reintroduction again and again and again to this character i was sold on it I was fascinated by what was going to happen. Yes, the storyline with Ava is compelling and it is so dramatic. But as someone who loves true crime, as someone who is also very confused about the fact that this man is just basically mutilating people, he's not really killing anybody. I'm I'm interested. I'm sold to see what's, what season three is going to bring us with this character. Yeah, I'd have to say that mine were probably episode seven, which is where Naomi is introduced. Um, and the Carver, but also where Julia has Ava, Adrian over for dinner and uh, Bobby Broderick, you know, continues to harass Sean. I feel like that's a fun one. Um, I feel like that just gets the plot like moving in a very fun way. And other than that, I would probably say episode 11 with Natasha being introduced for Christian because I feel like that's just, I like seeing Christian do nice, wholesome things, okay? Honestly, it's, no, but but that's not a bad thing because truthfully, it's like, on the whole, even because picking a favorite episode, especially with season two now, it's like picking your favorite child. This season is very fun. It's relatively very fast paced. There's problems in it, but it's problems that feel very time locked. So it's not something that you can really like sit here and be like, oh my God, this is so bad or so negative. There's a lot in this season that happens. Yeah. And there's a lot of fun shit that happens in this season. A lot of wild and wild and crazy crap that really and truly makes the show so much more enjoyable and watchable. Especially now doing the recap. 100%. Um, let me ask you this now. What was your favorite surgery this season? Oh, my favorite surgery? Because mm-hmm. we had a lot of surgeries, so. I'm caught between two. Okay, go on. I'm caught between Julia's... Uh, when she fall the after she falls through the glass and decides that she wants to have her breast taken out because it's such a it's such an emotional moment because don't they even offer to like tighten her face up and make her prettier like yeah. not prettier but younger mm-hmm. and she declines and it's very on brand for Julia it's very it that's the episode that I can feel was not Julie Richardson acting as Julia that was Julia basically taking over Julie Richardson because she very much is like I don't want this. I don't want my tits huge because I'm doing it for the wrong reason. I want my face the way it was because I need to be, I need to go back to being myself. It's Julia's return to herself. And I love that. Mm-hmm. The other one that I love mostly because it's kind of a different surgery 
is uh, Natasha's eye surgery. That's a good one to choose. Uh, because I love Natasha's eye surgery because it's a little on the cusp of being saccharine because Christian's kind of smitten with her and it's very cute to see Christian be smitten with someone because it's very personal to him and he's talking to her and they're talking about getting the eyes done and going in and when they actually start doing it yeah it's gross because it's eye surgery Mm -hmm. And it eventually results in one of our more, at least in my opinion, one of our most more comedic moments where it's like, put your eyes in because I can't sleep with you. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Um, But it's a cool surgery and it's something different that you don't see all the time talked about. But because it does happen. It does happen to people who are blind. No, 100%. And that's kind of like one of the more interesting ones I'd have to say too. Um, Oh God. Okay. So both of mine are the... Both vaginal related ones. Oh um, my god! So I love the idea of like using a toe to replicate the stimulation that you would receive <laughs> for the clitoris. Um, I feel like Mabika's is like honestly a very moving subject matter too. Like the whole exchange between her and Liz, and then talking with Sean afterwards, being like, "I felt like God woken up with inside me." Like I felt like that is a beautiful monologue from Aisha Tyler one. But I think it's a very, like, interesting surgery in terms of, like, the practicality of it being executed. Yeah. Uh, so that, I will say, is one of them. And the other one is Pussy Lips because I just fucking love the exchange between her and Christian. I, I fucking love it. And then he comes into the next day, the husband, and it's just like, your lips, they're just so, they're so pink. I love what you did with them, doctor. I can't believe you could do that from the skin. Where did you get it from? And then Sean is just like, the back of her knee. <laughs> yes. The very pink, Thanks. soft back of her knee. <laughs> and she's just like, thank you, doctor. I just, I love how, like, Jersey they are, too, like, from Staten Island that they are. Like, I, I just really love them both as characters, and I'm so glad we're going to get them both again, too, later in the series. So, those are my two favorite surgeries. <laughs> Honestly, first of all, I'm going to say this. Only you would pick the two surgeries on the most similar yet opposite ends of the spectrum yeah 100 percent. which i love that (laughs) it's it's called it's called being dynamic it is um what do you consider to be the wildest plot line do we even have to say what the wildest plot line this year is i want to know what do you think it's the end it's ava's plot line as a whole (laughs) i agree ava's plot line ava and adrian's plot line is by far the best plot line this season (laughs) it goes from Ava being just an evil cantank, like, you know, from that makeup show, an evil cantankerous bitch, to being being in a very a potentially incestuous relationship with their son, and then being trans, and it's like, holy shit, could this get any, is there anything else I need to know? Does she owe on her taxes or something? Like, what I mean, she has a fucking outstanding debt at Hermes, so yeah, she does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she yet she still has her, her mess. yeah and she still has an amazing fucking condom or condo like she lives in a beautiful ass like like mid-century modern like zen condo the fact that she has that zen condo and we only see pieces of the house and not the full thing is the funniest part to me yeah like, because we, we get really... like the living room and a portion of the bedroom and the yeah. bedroom is equally as bland as the rest of the living room Honestly, yeah, but I do love that set, though. Um, but yeah, no, I'd say that Adrian and Ava are definitely the most wild plot line of the season. <laughs> That's putting it really mildly, truthfully. Yeah, who, what would you say is the second wildest plot line? Let me ask you that. If we were not going to pick them, 
If we were but not it, to pick them, the other wildest plotline, truthfully, I think would probably be um, Sean and Julia's storyline. Their their divorce, not because it's just not because it's wild, but because it's really, really dramatic. You know what? I would say this is the second wildest plotline for me. What the sex doll plotline? <laughs> Again, though, how did they get it there? Honestly, we did have somebody unanswered questions. Away? Did she take the carpool lane? Because I she hope she did. Took the carpool lane, or did she honest. put it in the trunk like a dead body? No. <laughs> you know that she put Miss Kimber, that's the name of the doll, she put Miss Kimber up on the fucking passenger side. Did she, she have out clothes on the doll, though? No. She fully let her, like, fly out the window topless. <laughs> I... Okay. <laughs> Again, like I said, we ever make merch, I need, like, three different designs that are just that doll, like, in different weird poses. Oh, God, it's going to be so fun to explain that to my family. Um, who was your favorite guest player this season? Oh, my we have God. a lot. We have a lot to pick from. If we're we not picking a... from, like, the main people, which we're, we're excluding Kelly Carlson, Jesslyn, Famka, and Seth. And Vanessa. Okay, fair. So okay. We're, we're excluding from the main people. So The main people? I am actually going to be very, very generic Mm-hmm. Because as much as I liked all the other characters that we've had so far, including Elaine Houseman who played Allegra, because that's plotline again, it was feminism, and that's all we can say. <laughs> or even J.K. Simmons wanting boobs—that was fucking hilarious. That is so stupid. It makes no sense. It's so out of left field. But the one that I'm going to be basic with and just say that I liked it, Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Sarah Paulson has a really solid like acting demo in this. Her her episode is fun. Her episode is very different. Her episode is really on the cusp of being almost like a horror story. Not Mm -hmm. an American horror story episode, but like, it's creepy, it's unsettling, you're confused a lot. And she plays that multiple personalities, unfortunately, very well, albeit problematically, but pretty damn well. Yeah, I would say um, for me, it's a toss-up between Aisha Tyler, just because I like seeing her getting an, like a serious acting role, oh, and she does it so well. Like, and I love that you fully had to remind me that this was Aisha Tyler when we first watched it, <laughs> because I was like, I know her, but I didn't know it was Aisha Tyler until you said the it way that I was like, what? You have no idea how utterly gagged I was when I mentioned it to you, because of all people that I thought you would have like honed in on as being like guest stars this this season because i i spoil it for myself to some extent so i have an idea of what we're going off of mm-hmm. of all people i was not anticipating you to be the one being like who is she and me being like really it's aisha fucking tyler i know the absolute the... comedic force that is aisha tyler and playing thing, in a very serious way was. like i know who aisha tyler is but seeing her but in seeing this role, her like, for, for whatever reason i was just blind i was like who is this woman Oh my god, maybe that's just how good she is. Yeah, she just disappears into the role. Absolutely. I think it's because she did do the accent work too. Like, I didn't recognize her immediately for that. That is true. Um, but also, I'd say that my other person that it would be tossed up between is Rebecca Gayhart. Because I fucking love her. She deserves everything in the fucking world. Give her her flowers, America. Like, she's amazing. And, like, legitimately, I think that her getting to be one of Christian's lovers like made him a better person especially oh, because yeah. coming off the fresh off the relationship with kimber like him having a, a very like tender relationship because the only two that we get to see him with so far are jesslyn and kimber and then random like one night stands so i i really like 
Rebecca Gayhart and Natasha being a character because she's so self-assured. She's very like aware of who she is and like pushes, you know, Christian to be a man. And I like that. She pushes Christian to, to not just be a man, but to be upfront and honest with himself. And to me, that's something that I really wish we would have seen more of in this particular thing. Because again, Rebecca Gayhart's character of Natasha is really, really good. It's a yeah. fun character, especially to have it as as a contrast to Christian, who's very wild up to this point, who's been very outlandish, very out of the box, very even kind of unsteady. And to have someone who's as grounding and as compassionate and as forgiving as Rebecca Gayhart played Natasha when she's told to leave, it genuinely is heartbreaking. Yeah, because you grow to really love her in two episodes. In just two episodes. and Her like, impact. Wow. Oh, God, if only. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to switch up the last two questions. Sorry. Uh, what did this season do right versus wrong? Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, let's start with the wrongs. Okay, go we're, we're going to start with the wrongs from the very jump because then we can work into the rights and, and move from there. The wrongs right off the top is it did a horrible job, comparatively speaking, to trans representation. This season really, really, really leans into how do you make a group of friends bond closer? Make them all transphobic. Which Yeah, the, the whole like butterfly metaphor that they tried it, it wasn't even a butterfly metaphor. It was a uh, Frankenstein monster. <laughs> they they use, said they they use a couple different metaphors, but they reference Famka herself references Ava being a monster and references Frankenstein. And then when they go to meet Alec Baldwin's Barrett Moore, we basically get this horror story of how Ava came to be, which is not the case for trans the trans experience in really any circumstance that I've ever heard of. Yes, there are horror stories about being trans, but that's different. When you have someone who's presenting it and talking about it in a way of hybrid orchids and them not actually existing, it's like, oh, so you're going to negate their experience and their existence? Love that right away. Yeah. Off the this, top. This season had a really bad, like through line for trans representation and that's kind of like my main bad point um i also want to point out too like the jk simmons one in the domestic abuse episode too not good not good um and also the first episode where the best friend shoots each other like that that's not handled well um Oh yeah, with that what? Yeah, you don't remember that? Those I, are very girl, there's been a one. lot happening in this season. I know. There really is. Um, I feel like the continuity of the season also has a problem because I feel like it even though it does have like plot lines that follow through and like actually mean something, I feel like dropping Sean's like tick is something that we could have kept. We talked about that. Um I feel like keeping Christian concentric to being a better person this season was done overall well. Um, I feel like Matt was kind of a little bit over the place and I feel like we could have used more Ava, frankly, as a big bad because she's only in five episodes. Well, we've talked about this at length, but it is Famka's impact of how well they play Ava that really helps the storyline. 
And even though they're in only five episodes, they're very impactful. I do agree with you that Matt should have been more. It because we only get like kind of a touch of their relationship. It's just sexual. Not only of their relationship just being sexual, but Matt's uh I don't want to say whitewashing, but rose coloring of everything. We only yeah. get a touch of that towards the end. And I really wish that we would have seen that more. A little bit more perspective then, I guess, to see Matt kind of be actively knowing that his parents are mad at him, but still going to this person because he finds comfort and solace in, the, in them, even if it is very hollow and very unhealthy, you know? Yeah. Okay, moving on to things that we did like. I adored this season for how fucking crazy it was i did too (laughs) i i want to say i love the female characters that we get like the female characters this season just popped off ryan murphy makes it a point to write actually complex women characters which is not a hard task but it's a hard task and the way that he yes there is problems with his trans representation we won't deny that but when you make your trans character the most compelling and most villainous it's kind of it's kind of a serve honestly it's and again it's confusing but it's just fun i love that it was it was a good season yeah i feel like the boys like got to be a lot more like fleshed out too and they're not just like archetypes of being like polar opposites so that's fun yeah um, there was actually a, dyna- a dynamic between them this season yeah, and then, okay, one more thing. We'll just add one more thing. Um, I really want to say, I fucking love Vanessa Redgraves for making this season. <laughs> like, Vanessa Redgraves just fully, like, had everything on her back every time she was in a scene. <laughs> like, she fully did. Everything was on her back. She's Atlas pushing up the fucking world up the mountain. I want her to be in shit more. Not because she's an, uh, an astounding actress. I would love her to be more domestic, but be this very prim and proper in another series, just because I love Vanessa Redgraves in this experience. I love her being catty, too. Her trading barbs with Famka in that second or third episode is such a good moment of television. It's so cheesy. It's so out of left field. It becomes Dynasty. It, it just really does. Becomes dynasty. It becomes Dynasty for a few minutes where you're just sitting there, like Julia, being like, oh my god, is this what it feels like? This is she was awesome. Watching, she was literally us watching Dynasty and we're like, the champagne is burnt. Again, it's so fucking good. <laughs> it really no, is. you know what it is? It's that long form read that was just on Drag Race. Oh god, That's yeah. what it is. From Di- It's not from Dynasty. I think it's from Designing Women. Oh god, yeah. That, that one from Designing Woman, the monologue, is so yes, good. Yes, it's so good, and it's that exact energy just transposed into this show. Delta Burke really did do that. <laughs> <laughs> she really leaned in this one. But truthfully, it's like, no, I agree with you. Vanessa Redgraves is flawless in my mind. She could do anything. Yeah, okay. Um, thoughts on the season as a whole? We both love that it was crazy. We both love that it was entertaining, wild. Um Truthfully, I really look forward to season three because it's my favorite season. You've said that it's your favorite season, and I'm beginning to understand why. Because this season feels... Season one was the car warming up. Season two is the zero to 60 in under 3.5 seconds. Yeah, and, and I love that. Season three is where we get the truly iconic like television series that is Nip Tuck. 
and then season four just continues that stride all the way till season six. Like it, it's good. Yeah, and see, that's that's what I'm that's what this I'm is, most excited for. Yeah, this is where we're gonna get like talk about it TV because like legitimately it is gonna be that. And I really, really like that season three, like going forward, is going to blend the best parts of season one and two together. Where in season one it has really strong continuity and like character of like setup. Mm-hmm. And then season two where it's like, oh my god, we're gonna have wild, crazy, like controversial talk about it moments. I think that's one of the things that this season did that I don't think other shows at the time or even well, kind of now you're getting more of them. Mm-hmm. But this is really edgy television when you think about it. Oh, dude, and oh four, oh four is when this came about. Like this conversations, oh four and oh three. Like these were like groundbreaking conversations. Well, but time. and and I agree with you completely because it's like, let's put it this way. Let's let's break it down to actually the real bake basis level basic levels of what these what these plot lines were. You had an episode about female genital mutilation, which was absolutely not being talked about in any way, shape, or form. We had an episode about HIV positive people and how they're not going to die immediately, and HIV positive women specifically. Yeah, like you. That was- that's not even something you see nowadays on TV. No, you still don't see it. It's still not part of the conversation. No. Uh, even uh, even though it is highly problematic in the way that it is presented, you have a trans character who is a villain. Yeah, like this show was really that. like pushing the boundaries of what, what you can get away with like on cable network TV, by the oh, way. Oh, they were they were towing the line incessantly because yeah. I talk about this sequence a lot. And I say it as a joke, but we do have to acknowledge this. They introduce Adrian post Ava and Matt sleeping together. They introduce him as a high schooler, butt ass naked to another high schooler. Like, put that in context for a second. Yeah, it's that's a, a lot. lot. That's <laughs> it a, is lot a lot for, for any show to do, any show, even shows like Euphoria, Elite shows like that yeah mm-hmm. they're doing it and they're leaning into it now but like we said for the time frame that's really controversial yeah it was really like pushing the boundaries of what they could get, get and away remember with. this was on basic cable <laughs> this yeah. was on television that you could watch just it it was on at 10 o'clock at night and they deemed that that was safe honestly that's the crazy part like growing up and elementary school this is when this was on tv for me so i'm just like wow like i could have watched this as a kid like if i just stayed up past my bedtime oh absolutely um okay so let's wrap it up and go to our last segment which is the prediction corner what do you anticipate for next season i know we're gonna probably get more of the carver i know that for sure we're probably gonna get more of the carver we're gonna have to either do a reveal of that person and a solution to it or we're just gonna have it be an ever-present enemy I don't know exactly what's going to go on with that, but I am very interested and very curious. Well, they're going to be your main villain next season. They're going to be in every episode, unlike Ava. Oh, Jesus. I would like to think that Ava is present in season three in some aspect, even if she it's is. minor. Because mm-hmm. I would love to see that happen. I, I, You've mentioned it, and I can't wait to see how absolutely unhinged Matt becomes. Yes. Problematic problem child <laughs> all the way around. Yeah, he's going to be a lot more problematic next season, but he will do something that is, like, redeeming, and then immediately in season four, they're like, mm, no, we don't want to redeem him anymore, so back to being the worst demon child hour. 
It's like, bitch, you think you're a black sheep? Hold my purse. I'm Black Philip. Yeah, no, he fully just becomes Black Philip. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so who do you want to guest star next season? Who do you think is going to be on? At this point, because it's 2004, it really could be anybody. Yeah, Hollywood we're going to have a flush. lot of big names, though. I'm going to say that right now. Season I, two, we get a lot of big names. I have, like I said, I have no idea who could be at this point because television at this point in tell in time was actually pretty inundated with guest stars and like the concept of a guest star so anything's on the table i like that you know ryan murphy set this out to be like true blood where they're like we're not gonna have any real big name celebrities guest starring and then has a full season worth of them oh god sweet till season five season five we have like everybody and their mother and nip talk like it's ridiculous um okay it's a holly it's it was it was at the time the hollywood party bottom it really was (laughs) who do you think will be the carver next season okay i actually did sit with this for a minute and i have and i'm being completely transparent with you right now i have actively not spoiled it for me because i want the reveal to be worth my time and energy i'm not gonna tell you who it is please don't okay i initially thought true facts I did initially think it was Matt. But okay. now there's a part of me that wants it to be some really out of left field person that we haven't seen in forever from like season one. Oh, just wait. Just wait. That's See, all I'm going to say. Yeah, I know. And I am very excited that if it is that, I do, however, want this Carver. It's going to be the Asian lady who wanted her husband to be <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> It's her husband instead. It's her husband. That's who it is. He comes back and he's like, you fucked up my eyes. I hate this. <laughs> we got a divorce. It wasn't worth it. It really wasn't worth it. Her mother was terrible. <laughs> I would genuinely like, though, this Carver character to be more of a serial killer and less of a serial mutilator. But that's just mm, me. Yeah, we'll get one episode of that. So don't worry. Okay. Um, okay predictions for our main players where do we think their plot lines are going to go well based on what you've already shared with me i do know that there's going to be a hell of a lot more liz and Mm -hmm. i love that i appreciate that i think maybe it's because they're all separated in some instance because julie i don't think julie and sean are going to get together i think that's kind of a definite no i think sean might have more flings in the future because he feels a little bit more self-assured and Mm self-confident i would love julia to get a fun storyline something less serious she will get that she's gonna get that yeah (laughs) just something really fun would be would be good for her i do however it's gonna go to way you do not expect it but it's gonna be really fun and really comedic perfect i do however have to say this and this is my my hard line with this character right now Mm -hmm. i genuinely want christian to dive into his past at this point it's been two seasons it's been hinted at that there's something in Julian in in his in Christian's closet. I almost said Julian McMahon, but you know, same difference. There's something in Christian's closet that's really altered him as a person. And I would love for that to finally get some exploration, even at the barest of minimums at this point. It won't happen till season four. Unless you know right okay. now. It's okay. not gonna happen until season four. Um, and that's because we're gonna get a, his other Actually, yeah, he does have four major love interests. I lied to you. There's a fourth one. Um, but that's because she, that person will make things happen. So I'm not going to spoil that other than that. So we will get a lot more on 
Christian's backstory in season four. This entire podcast is basically a verbal form of edging. Yeah. So (laughs) that wraps up our season two wrap up. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up completely? Before we wrap it up completely and leave season two in the dust, I have to say that this is this is the season that really felt like a Ryan Murphy production. I've said it before. I've said it timeless a thousand times at this point. You could comp- make a compilation of it. But it's true. This Just season, went to the very first episode of next season. See, exactly. And it's like, this is where it feels like he's ramping up his energy because he's like, okay, I got the audience interested and we're two seasons deep and we've been renewed for season three. Let's fucking go in. Let's go crazy now. Yeah. Let's take, and- our, let's take our tips out, see what happens and go from there. And I kind of love that energy because Ryan Murphy's productions as a whole mm-hmm. does that shit now constantly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell the listeners this right now. We're going to do five episodes of things that are not up tuck, as we previously mentioned. So just be prepared for that. Uh, if you guys are really not here for it, we're sorry. We will continue to do it anyways. Um, because it's our podcast, not yours. And um, the podcast is growing and changing. She's in her developmental stages exactly. right now. You know, she's, she's going get, to adolescence. She's getting her boobs. She has hair growing in different places, and she's confused about it. <laughs> but she also feels oddly powerful and a little bit sexy. <laughs> she's just like Ginger from Ginger Snaps, <laughs> or Jennifer from Jennifer's Body. I know. At this point, let's be real. We're in the Jennifer's Body era. We are. Um, so we're going to be doing five episodes for our Halloween season, kind of like pre-spoopy stuff. So we're going to be talking about five girls next week. Uh, just so you guys know, we do have somebody who's going to be joining us. And Dom, I'll let you do their introduction. I love this person. They are my best friend. And I'm not trying to, to deny my co-host their best friend position but when you talk about friends who have earned the fucking right to talk shit to you actively and i encourage it it's my best friend ariel whom i've known forever and she's going to be joining us to talk about five girls with us and i'm very excited actually i'm very excited for multiple reasons because not only is this movie campy and kind of dumb and kind of fun at the same time and also really fucking cool i'm bringing in someone that i know all three of us are going to have a really interesting conversation about this movie on. I can't wait because I feel like Ariel is going to have so much to say about everything. And... <laughs> oh, God, she, I have, we have to tell her, though, you have to actively interrupt us. Yeah, and I need her to fully just understand, too, that this is like... And I know that she's not a scary movie person. It's not that scary. Um, there are, like, I, I want to say maybe, like, two or three, like, scary sequences in this movie that are actually, like, legitimately effectively scary but like the rest of it is just like oh god what is happening this is a don't worry we'll get through it because her and i will watch it together and then we'll do our notes at the same time so we'll get through it you're fine yeah don't worry so we're gonna talk about five girls we're gonna talk about the covenant which god that movie is so gay yeah it's so good i think i that's we're having pauline on yeah i'm almost positive we're gonna confirm with her and have pauline on because i love pauline and pauline is our tarot is our tarot queen in yeah, our friend we love, group. We I, love Pauline. We have to have her do our tarot for that episode too. <laughs> I can't explain enough, and I think Pauline misunderstands exactly how much I like her as a person. Same. And I think I need to express that to her more often. But 100%. I'm not even joking. We need to tell her. It's like you need to do a tarot spread for us for that episode on mic for us so we can have yeah. this as reference. It'd be awesome. Oh god, yeah. Um okay, so then then we're doing Orphan First Kill, yes. which is gonna have Anya who is one of our good mutual friends as well. She is, like, perfect for that episode. She's and a horror fanatic, too. She is. We can't wait. Um, and then what else? We're doing, we're doing Hellbent, 
Yeah. Uh, which is one of my picks. And then I don't know if we have a guest star for that episode yet. We, we don't we don't have one yet, but it's not to say that it's not impossible to pull from our friend group yeah. and ask around and see who we can get. And even if we don't, you'll get a good conversation with us. I mean, it's us. Come on. You know you know, you love to listen yeah, to this crap. We, we have a lot of brands and a lot of opinions. We're queer. Come on. And then the last thing what we're going to be doing is one more movie. And I forgot what you said it was going to be. I'm still conflicted because I can't decide what I want to do. There's so many good horror films out there mm-hmm. and I don't want to do one that's very actively being talked about already. Like Jennifer's body is having its revamp right now and they don't need any more conversations about it, even though it's a great film. It's an exceptional film. It's perfect for spooky season. It's fun. It's queer, but it's being talked about by enough people. Even Ginger Snaps, to some extent, has gotten its due in like more smaller horror circles. There's a part of me that would like to do even like The Hunger. I'm trying to find a really good one that could end on because, truthfully, even I heard they them was they slash them was not that good. So I actually really enjoyed they slash them. It wasn't it wasn't great. I'll tell you that, but it wasn't bad. Like I think that it has some interesting conversation points for sure. Um, but yeah, for, for now, those are our four movies that we're talking about. We might do a fifth one um, just because, you know, we're us and we want to do something for the Halloween season. You know what? We're going to say this. Instead of saying we might do a fifth one, we're going to say we're going to do a fifth one, but it's going to be a surprise episode. Okay, we'll do that. There we go. So whatever we're going to do for a fifth episode, you guys are going to enjoy. Whatever um, it is. You'll yeah, get what you like and, and, and savor it. Exactly. And that wraps up our season two. If you want to follow us on our social medias, you should know by now we are Nip Talk Pod on Instagram. Twitter and Gmail. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at a street cat named Desire. And if you'd like to follow me, which I think some of you are, I'm very confused because I'm getting a lot of incredibly attractive homosexual men following me. But you know what? I fucks with that and I'm okay with that. You can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Art Like Work Of. On Instagram, there is a period in between art and work of, but that's minor. But nevertheless, we are your essential podcast hosts bringing you all the sexy ASMR and screaming matches about iconic women that won't shut the fuck up. Honestly. Every and week. Yeah, that concludes season two. We'll see you back for five episodes of non-Niptech related stuff and then back for season three. Yes. We're, like I said, we're taking a spooky season break. We're calling yeah. it that. But more importantly, it's our fucking podcast and we're going to talk about what we want to talk about. So we'll see you if you want to do Niptech in about five weeks. And if you want to listen to us ramble about horror movies, right around the corner right around the corner yeah so you guys we're gonna get uh you know all the halloween stuff all right bye bye